Well, thanks so much to all who have been leading us uh, in the praise of God today. Maybe I could say a special thank you to Philip because this is his final Sunday doing that for us. And Philip, we wish you and Sharon well as you moved to Newton Ards in the, the coming weeks. And it's been great to have you as part of what's happening here. Now, as I begin my sermon here today, there's going to be a wee bit of nostalgia. So if you're my age or older, you will identify with this. If you're younger, just hang in there for a few minutes, okay? And you'll understand or hopefully be able to follow what's going on. But I've got such great memories of growing up as a child in the 70s, watching a TV, much like this TV on the screen, sitting down with my family to watch something like Some Mothers Do Have Them. Who remembers Frank Spencer? Yep, Michael Crawford is Frank Spencer and all of the kind of adventures that he got into. But here in Northern Ireland, there was always something unique about your TV viewing. As you were sitting, watching this, enjoying this, invariably in the course of the program, on the screen came up this little sign, police message. And the soundtrack of the program faded away, and a local announcer would say something like, would key holders in Main Street, Cookstown, please return to their premises? As a boy, this blew my mind. I wondered, what is that all about? Who are these key holders? What is it that they've got to do? Are they going to get blown up when they go to do it? I came to understand later that the unique place that we lived in, the unique time we lived in, these people were going back to their businesses to check for incendiary devices. But that word key holder, that phrase key holder really resonated with me. I thought that sounded pretty glamorous, and I decided there and then that someday I would like to be a key holder. Well, here I am today. I am a key holder, and what I've discovered over the years is that the amount of keys that you hold or that you own indicates a level of responsibility and therefore directly the amount of stress that you have in your life. Big bunches of keys equals stress. That's been my experience of being a key holder down through the years. But here in God's Word, the Lord Jesus introduces Himself to this church in Philadelphia as being a key holder. In fact, He builds the whole message of this letter around that image, that picture of keys unlocking and opening and then shutting and locking doors. And what does Jesus hold the key to? What is it that He wants His church in this place, Philadelphia, to hear? Well, today in our service, we return again after a long gap to our series that we've been looking at over the summer, where we've been considering these seven letters that we have in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And what we need to understand is that this is part of a divine revelation that was received by John from the Lord. So, when we read all of this, the important thing to keep in mind is these are not John's words, but that these are the Lord's words. So, specifically when it comes to these letters that were sent to seven churches in a particular part of the world at that time, which would really cover over the the modern countries of Turkey and part of Greece. The words that are being addressed to these churches 
are words for us. These are letters that tell us what Christ wants His church to be like in all places and at all times, including here in this congregation in Connor in the year 2022. And if we're looking for an example of what the church should be like, well, this is a pretty good place to visit. Philadelphia is a really good example to look at. And by the way, this is not Philadelphia, the city and the states that we know of today. This is the original Philadelphia. And when you look at this letter, and if you were to read this letter again later on, and I encourage you to do this, and to read it alongside the previous letter that we thought about at the beginning of chapter 3, the letter that was sent to Sardis, there's something really interesting that emerges. It is significant. Because what we see here when we hold these two churches side by side is that in the case of Sardis, the church that is getting things easy, the church that's having a relatively carefree time is the church that is actually condemned most by Jesus because it is complacent and dead. Now, by contrast today, this church in Philadelphia is getting it really tough. It's a congregation that is being persecuted in unbelievable ways. They're getting it tight. And you might think it would be a church that would be struggling, but quite the opposite. What you discover in this letter is that it is this church that is going forward and therefore gets the most praise from Jesus in all of these letters. And I reckon that that's a real challenge and warning for us today because this is a trend that has continued all the way through the history of the church. Churches that are most up against it seem to be the ones that remain faithful to their calling. Whereas churches that get it relatively easy are the ones that so quickly can lose their way. And it's a real warning for us because, yes, we have difficulties and challenges and we ripples along the way as we go through our life as a congregation. But really, in the terms of the global church, we have it easy. We have been free to come here today. Nobody stopped you from walking into this church. Nobody was watching to see you arriving here and leave later on. We remain relatively influential in our local community. I, as a minister here, am invited into the school to talk about Jesus. By virtue of being minister, I'm invited onto the board of governors, as some of you who are members of this church are as well. And we're certainly not aggressively persecuted by anyone in our society. So, you would expect that congregations like our congregation in those good circumstances should be absolutely booming. And yet, what we discover when we look at these churches in Revelation is that churches that are getting it relatively easy can fall asleep they can become lethargic about mission. They can lack in zeal and in holiness. So, we certainly need to take a closer look for a few moments today at this church in Philadelphia, and we need to hear what the great keyholder says 
to these people. And the image that we keep encountering in this letter is that image of doors being opened and shut, of doors being unlocked and locked. Keep that image before you. Jesus says to this church in verse 8, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And once again, in this letter, like all of the other letters, Christ introduces Himself. And this is what He says of Himself in verse 7. Look again at these words. These are the words of Him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Now, what's Jesus telling us about Himself? Well, a couple of things, that He is holy and true, and so therefore He is identifying Himself as God, the one who is perfect in His holiness and in His truth. But more than that, He then says that He holds the key of David. And this is Jesus identifying Himself as the Messiah, the King who would come in the line of David, the King who was promised by God to deliver His people. And then He adds this in verse 7, what He's able to do with this key of David. Listen to this. He says of Himself, what He opens, no one can shut, and what He shuts, no one can open. Now, let's stop for a moment and think about what Jesus is telling us there, because this is so, so important. There's the first part to it, the first part of this story, that after the door is open, no one else can shut it. And what Jesus is saying is He's saying that when He brings salvation to people, that when God saves people by His grace through the one who holds the key of David through Jesus, then nobody can take that salvation away from them. Nothing can remove their salvation and their relationship with God from them. And what a comfort that must have been to the believers in this church, because they were facing all of these struggles. But the Lord of the church says, don't worry, because when I have opened the door to you into my kingdom, nobody else can shut that door. And what a comfort that is today if you are a believer in Christ, that whatever you face, and I know that people are facing all kinds of difficult things, nothing, nothing can destroy the saving relationship that you have with Christ. We come back to the words that we thought about last Sunday evening in that great chapter of Scripture, Romans chapter 8. And remember what Paul tells us about our salvation in Christ at the end of that chapter. In fact, look in your Bible at Romans 8 and the end of the chapter. And Paul asks if there is anything that can separate us from the love of Christ. And then he lists all of these things, but what he's ultimately saying there in verses 38 and 39 is that nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That should give the believer in Christ great assurance today. 
But I want you to see that that's only half the story. Remember that there is another part to this verse, that Jesus is also telling us that what He shuts, no one can open. So, the reverse is true as well. And it implies a separation of people here, that if salvation is guaranteed to those who take that opportunity to be saved, then equally judgment is guaranteed for those who reject it. And the sobering thing that once the door shuts, and we never know when that will be, but once the door shuts, that will be it. It will be too late. And we see that all too often around us. So, I wonder, are those sobering words for some people here today, please seek the Lord while He may be found. Philadelphia is a church that is completely up against it. And Jesus, the Lord of the church, He leaves them with words of encouragement. First of all, He reminds them that He is the one who opens the door to mission that He is the one who brings people under the sound of the gospel, under the influence of the gospel, and who ultimately changes their hearts by that gospel. So that, look again at what He tells them in verse 8, as a way of encouragement, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And here, He's moving away from talk of salvation to talk about telling others of salvation, witnessing for Christ. And we don't know what the special opportunity was that Christ gave the church in Philadelphia at this time. We're not in on that. But clearly, He had opened up an opportunity for them to share the gospel in an effective way. And we see this elsewhere in Scripture and in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul talks about his experience. He says, I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. Then later in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12, he talks about a similar situation in Troas. He says, I went there to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. And in a time when it seems that there is so little impact in our gospel work, remember that the Lord of the church, Jesus Himself, can open up doors for us, doors of gospel opportunity. Are we seeking that in prayer? That should get us on our knees, people, and praying that this would be the case. But also, Jesus encourages them by saying that He will overcome their enemies. And the opposition in verse 9 comes from an unlikely place. It comes from the synagogue, which Jesus provocatively describes as the synagogue of Satan. What He means is the people there, whether they realize it or not, in opposing the church of Christ are doing Satan's work for them. So that Jesus encourages His people, His church, 
by saying, you are the people who are actually my people. And you're on the winning side. I will be the one who will bring victory. The victory is secure. And that's not a cause for gloating amongst the church, but it should be a great cause for encouragement. Do you see that in the face of all of the things that can go wrong for us as a church, as we struggle at times to know how we're going to go forward in the work of the Lord, that actually in Christ we are on the winning side? And more than that, this persecuted church in Philadelphia is encouraged by Jesus because He says that He will protect His people. Look at verse 10. He promises them, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. And whatever we may face up to, and I think and I believe that there is a changing landscape for the church here, there is a changing situation, whatever we will face up to, Christ will still protect His people. He will still protect His church. His promise is that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that He is building. Will you hold on to that promise? as we seek to reach out to others with the good news and take this opportunity to spread the gospel. And the final encouragement that Jesus brings to His church in Philadelphia is that He will return, that Jesus is coming soon, and with Him will come ultimate deliverance. Verse 11, He tells them, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And perhaps today, if you were being cynical and you read that verse, you would think, well, there's a promise that Jesus never kept, coming soon, written to a church 2,000 years ago. But remember the time scale with our God. And remember that the end times that Jesus speaks about or a long period of time between His first coming into the world and His return, and be sure of it because Jesus was always sure of it, He will return. And for this church, for His people, for those who had bowed the knee and who have bowed the knee before Him, that reality is a great comfort. Jesus is coming soon. He will be back. But I wonder for others today, is that something that gives you pause to think and causes you concern? What, Jesus is coming back? And I don't know Him, and I, I, don't, I haven't believed Him. Seek Him while He is near. Christ still holds the keys for us. I showed the master key to this church, but that's not the key that matters here in Connor. Christ still holds the key of David. 
It's a key to salvation. And it might be that today He has unlocked and He's opened a door for you, and enter through that door, enter into the kingdom before the door shuts again. And for us as a church, He opens a door of opportunity for witnessing. Are we going to take that? Or are we going to sit back in a holy huddle? People, we need to be out there with the gospel and to be courageous in all of that. And let's hold on to these promises as this church in Philadelphia did because this is what the Lord Jesus wants His church to hear and wants His church to be like in all places at all times. Here in Connor in 2022. So, let's keep on keeping on for His sake. Amen.